the OG of Jets podcasting and vlogging is back. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. This is There's Always Next Year with Brian Bassett. I'm back. The real me. Let's not, not make a whole thing of it. And his co-hosts, Chef Travis Milton. Today we're going to be making the students my tasty baked ziti with basil and fresh mozzarella. And Josh Conrad. Oh, my brother, testify. On Play Like a Jet Digital. Welcome to the aptly named There's Always Next Year podcast on the Play Like a Jet Network. I'm your host, Brian Bassett. You can follow me on Twitter at Brian underscore Bassett. With me today is Josh Conrad, who you can find at on Twitter at Josh underscore Conrad. Travis might be with us in a little bit. Um, he had some business to attend to that maybe we'll we'll get an update on later. Uh, but but hopefully he'll be he'll be joining us mid show. But if you want to follow him on Twitter in the meantime, you can find him at dash thirty seven four twenty seven. Josh, it's you and me for the start of the show. Um, we need to have some conversations because it seems to me like when I go to Twitter, I'm seeing a civil war among Jets fans. People want Salagan. I get people wanting the OC gone, but because the OC is not gone now, Sal has got to be gone and the Vikings game and time management and like, and here we are and we're two years in and Robert Sala needs to be, uh, needs to be summarily dumped out of this organization. Josh, how do you feel about that? When you That's see it's yours? crazy town, crazy town. Listen, yes, thank you. If, if we're going to, if, if we're going to pretend like, the the frustrations of the fans that that uh, like if, if you're going to place this at Robert Sala's feet, I think you are. I think you are falling into the trope of NFL fans that just want like instant results. I need my blood sacrifice. Exactly. Give me my blood sacrifice, and the exactly. sun will rise tomorrow. Uh, right? I mean, yeah, that's what this is. It has to be because it doesn't make sense to lay the lay the blame. At Robert Sala's feet. Are there things he can get better at? Of course. Is he aware of those things? I'm pretty sure he is. But to say that he's, that, that things would be markedly better with him gone, and correct me if I'm wrong, how many years did we give Adam Gase? <laughs> I think he uh, got. We two gave years. him two years and he was horrendous. Horrendous. Oh. So suddenly we're, we're going to give Robert <laughs> Sala the same amount of time that Adam Lord Farquaad got. Like for for being here, like th- th- it makes no sense to me. It's not Robert Sala's fault. Are there things on his on his staff that I'd like to see adjustments at? Of course, I've been vocal about maybe it's time for MLF to move on and bring in an offensive coordinator to go with a new quarterback, create a new system offensively, get the guys healthy, and I think we're in a roll. But I don't think it's Robert Sala. Robert Sala's shown nothing but great leadership all year. Um, can he get better at time management? Sure. Are there little things you can nitpick? Of course, but firing him is not part of the solution. Yeah, I, at least not yet. I mean, I'm I'm absolutely happy to give him at least another year. And I think people who want him to be out of the organization at this point, to me, like, I, I just don't see it. Like, I understand people can feel that way. They say, you know, this isn't the guy. Like, okay, fine. that That's fine. But I, I think, I think given different circumstances, like let's isolate the variable, right? As we did back in algebra class. Yes. And, uh, you know, and in this case, like, I don't think the variable that we need to isolate for is Robert Sala. I think the the variable we need to isolate for is quarterback. I want to get to that in a minute. But like, yeah, just just to your point on Adam Gase and two years and and all that sort of thing. Like when it comes to Robert Sala, like, okay, 
if if we're going to blame somebody for what happened, and yes, it was an abject collapse, and yes, Eric Mangini did get fired for basically the same thing in his, you know, during his tenure with the Jets. But right, to your point on Adam Gase, like the Jets always, except in the last two decades, except for Adam Gase, of course, I I don't think there was another coach who was a head coach of the NFL ever before. I mean, go back to Herm Edwards, right? Go back to Al Groh, right? Nobody was like, basically they never hire pre uh, coaches who have previous experience, right? Right. Um, They hire these guys that they like, that they, they can (laughs) trick into the job and I can talk more about that in a (laughs) second, but, but effectively like, uh, you know, like these, they want these people who can come in, who can prove themselves, who they hope will, you know, have longevity and tenure with the team. It doesn't work out. They don't give them enough time, whatever it is. And then they cycle them out and they cycle somebody else in and right. It's Mm -hmm. that blood sacrifice mentality but like, like the point here is like you got Robert Sala. They had a massive hiccup at quarterback. Like he does not to me, like he's not the the main problem in this organization. To your point, I think he's shown good leadership. I think the guys like and respect and fight for him. But yes, there are definitely things that need to be improved. The only reason I would I would fire Robert Sala after year two is if he was the one standing up on the desk saying, we have to have Zach Wilson. It must Mm. be Zach Wilson. It's only Zach Wilson. Like if that was what happened and what got us to Zach Wilson at two, okay, fine, fire him, move on. But I don't think that was the case. If anyone was doing that, I mean, and I have no knowledge of the situation, but I'm just saying like, if anyone was doing it, it was MLF. That was the person who was doing that. And so, yeah, is Saul maybe protecting him? Well, maybe, yeah. Uh, Yes, he is. Um, and so, you know, we'll see how everything plays out with quarterback. We'll see how, how this all goes. But like, to my point about, you know, them only hiring effectively defensive coordinators, and then the only coach that they hired with previous experience is one Adam Gase, who's the offensive mm-hmm. mastermind that's going to turn Sam, turn Sam Darnold around, who had just dis- demonstrated in their own division how bad he was and what a, you know, what a train wreck he was like, they saw it up pretty close. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, like they chose to go down that road. Now that was a Chris, you know, AKA uh, Ruprecht decision, but, but uh, you know, at the same time, like, you know, we're here, we need to give this person more time than we gave Adam Gase, as he said, a hundred percent. And so uh, he's done a lot more with uh, a lot less in his first year than Adam Gase ever had. And uh, yeah, we're moving in the right direction. So I, I think you've got to give it at least one more year. Um, yeah. w- one of the things, but but quarterback, you know, is a big thing here, right? And so yesterday, um, Joe, so, so this this will, I guess, go on Wednesday, so Monday. On Monday, um, Salah talked to the press, as did Joe Douglas. Um, both of them were very, I don't want to say adamant, but firm in their commitment to Zach Wilson, in mm-hmm. their commitment to what he will be one day. Um, I I respect what they're doing in terms of they don't want to tear him down because why would you? You've got this guy under contract for a couple more years. At the same time, they were so firm in their defense of Zach Wilson. I'm a little nervous. Uh, Josh, yeah. should I be nervous or should I not be nervous? 
I, I, I'm trying to read the tea leaves on some stuff because obviously, like you just said, when you have a guy on your, on your payroll, on your roster, you don't typically blast him or give half answers. Like we're all the way behind a guy until we're not and he's off the team. So mm-hmm. it, it could be just like that coach speak sort of stuff, but it could also be indicative that, that, that they really think they can fix him. And I'm not convinced they can. Um, I'm not sure knowing, you know, going into year three with a, you know, a talented roster and an owner who is eager um, to, to get the most out of this team um, that they should be pitching their wagons to Zach Wilson this closely. It was interesting to hear mm-hmm. them pretty emphatically state it the way they did. Um, knowing that life in the NFL can be very short for a coach or for a GM. I was very interested that they were so, so defensive of, Hey, we, we didn't set him up as well as we could have. And we still see a lot in him and he's still going to be on this team. It's possible they cut him tomorrow. Like it is still possible that they go <laughs> right. like, okay, get him off the team. And we weren't ready yet to make that move or it didn't make sense with, with the salary cap structure and, and, you know, uh, uh, pockets of time where it makes the most sense to, to cut a guy loose. And that's going to be on, on Joe Douglas to decide. But, um, I, I would still be shocked that he's, he is a significant contribution to the 2023 Jets. Um, he may be on the roster, but I, I don't, I don't get the sense from, from Robert Sala that that's my guy and I'm going to hitch my wagon to him unless we are all totally wrong and one off season, um, where he's fully healthy going into the season, um, is going to make a, a world of difference for him. It was not about ability. Remember, it's, it's the mental side of quarterbacking that he was struggling with. And so I don't know that. I don't know. It's it's interesting. It could be coach speak. I tend toward it coach speak. And at the same time, they were pretty emphatic. And so it's it's hard to tell at this point. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. If you watch the the press conferences with Salah and Douglas, like that, I, I didn't make this point earlier, but I think it leads to this. You know, they, they were the the media you know, rightly. You know, was very. Um, you know, dogged, that's the word. They were dogged in asking him about, you know, players and assessments and Zach Wilson specifically and leadership and what'd you do right? And what'd you do wrong? And yeah, they led them into some of those questions around like, well, do you think you did the right thing with him? You know, kind of making him your guy and, you know, is he still your guy and, and all this sort of thing. And, and honestly, like that's good. And that's the way it should be. But also I think that's why so few head coaches who are coming to New York, uh, like let's say they let's say they coached somewhere else, want to take this job because mm-hmm. they're used to life in Green Bay. They're used to life in, I don't know, um, Los Angeles or San Diego and you know, historically, or you know, many of these places where you know the questions that they face in Arizona are how much do you love your mother? A little, like a lot or a lot, a lot. Like that's, that's the kind of questions that you get and you just don't get those kind of questions in New York. And so as a result, well, like, Zach you know, Wilson, too, well, Zach Wilson got those questions, but for other people. <laughs> oh, God. 
Oh my God. Yes, point, I'm sure he point did. Point of order, sir. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for making that clear. <laughs> so, but like, you know, it just, it's just like the, the level of questioning and second guessing yes. and scrutiny and then thanklessness that you get for that job. Like, if you're only going to get one go at this, like, yeah, mm-hmm. maybe, you know, and I already had a go and I, I had it in, you know, whatever, Green Bay or Dallas or wherever, right? Or New Orleans. Like, I mean, you think people in New Orleans are asking tough questions? Like, God, I mean, look at everything Sean Payton did to basically, I mean, yeah, he won a championship 10, 15 years ago, whatever it was. But like, since then, he basically imploded the organization right. as he, you know, that, okay, now I'm going to leave, right? So like, he wasn't getting the hard questions from no. Nick Underhill or whoever it was, right? Like, that's just not how it goes down there. So, so like you, it's a whole different world. It's a whole different world uh, in New York. And so like, I think, you know, if I'm a seasoned head coach, I'm like, that's a whole other level of difficulty. And I think that's why they have to settle for folks that need to have time on the job to learn. Like, but at the same time, like, I guess what I would say is like, uh, not everybody's a Mike Tomlin, right? Not everybody is a, who's the dude in, um, shoot, the dude in Detroit. Oh, gosh. Call oh. Him, call him. Uh, uh, oh my gosh. Kneecaps. Uh, Campbell. I'm going to call him Dan Campbell. Campbell. Yeah. Thank Kneecaps. you. Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell. Like, um, those guys, whatever you say about them, like, like Tomlin for one, right. He, I mean, I don't know how analytics driven he is. He seems to be more in the Sala kind of, you know, way in which he runs and, and builds a team. And like, I think that's proven to be pretty effective over, you know, they're in the midst of a total rebuild and they're still contending for the playoffs. Right. Um, you know, in, in, I mean, you know, and so like, their te- their roster is much less talented than the Jets is. So like you've gotta you've gotta respect what someone like Mike Tomlin's doing, even if he is not the most analytical or you know clock management guy. Like you, it can work. It can work. And then on the other side, like you know Dan Campbell, kneecaps. Like you know he has proven to be even if he is a very you know similar kind of visceral mindset like. He also like he's super aggressive, right? He's he's basically doing what his analytics people are telling him. You have to go for it every fourth right. down. You have to do this. You have to you know manage the clock in this way and that way. And you know that's how you get into situations where you know a team that basically, again, similarly is in the midst of a rebuild is mm-hmm. you know taking the Packers to the woodshed in Lambeau. Uh, with a team that had no business, you know, even playing spoiler in the, in week 18 of the season. And so like, Mm -hmm. you know, the jets had their chances. They certainly failed, but I think there is a blueprint for these kinds of coaches working, but I certainly think Salah has to be receptive to the analytics mindset and getting someone getting his own Dick curl into the building so that, you know, so that we can have someone to watch the clock for him because, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, that's, that's definitely a problem, something he needs to improve on. Um, sure. yeah. So, so we talk, we talk about quarterback, we talked about quarterback some last week. Um, I mean, you know, we talked about, we talked about guys in the draft. We talked about free agents. Like, I, I, I don't know what the, I don't know if you can take odds on, you know, who the Jets starting quarterback will be in September, but right. If, if you had to pick a favorite, I mean, who was your favorite on, you know, January? I think it's going to be Derek Carr. Mm -hmm. 
I actually think it's going to happen. I think, I think all the signs of the Raiders moving on from him, I think we're reading the tea leaves that Tom Brady might end up in, in Vegas and that might be he and Giselle get back together. The, the crypto thing dies down. They get all their money figured out again. They're back together. They're in Vegas. She's happy. He's happy. Um, I think, I think that's, that's a realistic thing for them. And I do think, um, that, like, am I thrilled about that? Like favorite, favorite, like it's, it'd be my betting favorite, but it would not yeah, be my yeah, favorite. Yeah. That's what I meant. Betting for sure. Favorite, yeah. 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 Um, like I, I don't think, I don't think it moves the needle tremendously for the Jets, even going from like, if my options were a full season of Mike White at his cost versus a full season of Derek Carr at his cost. Uh, call me crazy. I'd rather just have Mike White and invest in the offensive line, but that's just me. Um, but I do think that, that they feel like they're one, one position away from truly being a contender. And I think they're right. Um, granted, we need to see that ABT and Becton and Reese Hall and like these guys can get back on the field and be healthy for a whole season for that to be true. But, um, I, I get the sense that the, the Derek Carr thing might, might have some legs and obviously we'll have to wait till after the Super Bowl and free agency period to actually see what's happening. And does he get cut? Do they move on from him? It seems like it makes a, a ton of sense for them financially to do that. Um, and if Mark Davis is a little bit cash struck and can't really pay him, then obviously that that's to our advantage to not have to give up any capital for him. But, um, yeah, that, that would be if you, if you, if you gave me the options, all available options on the table. Um, I think Derek Carr is in the building. I think Zach Wilson's in the building. I think Mike, Mike White is in the building. And that's our quarterback room in 2023. Mm. Yeah, I um, uh, I think it makes a lot of sense, right? And I think it really comes down to how they want to address the position. Um, I think I think putting Carr as the betting favorite, it may, just makes the most sense. Like the, Ra- the Raiders have to get out of that contract. You know, they basically sat him down with the last two weeks of the season to kind of figure out what was coming. They were still in the playoff hunt when they did that. I know. Like, Crazy. You know, kind of like, I mean, to me, like that is, I, I don't know what that speaks to if they're like, we want a better draft pick or we, or, or we just, you know, yeah, we have to know what this guy is, but like, or we don't want to overset expectations in year one. I don't know what that was. It's a very weird move at that time, Mm -hmm. but it certainly does not speak to that person being back the organization, uh, you know, in the, in the following season. So he's gotta be, he's gonna be on the move. Yeah. The question is where, and, and, you know, you look at, you know, who has picks, you know, where, I mean, Vegas is inside the top 10 now with the way that they finished the season. So yeah, they could certainly be in play for, uh, for a quarterback if Tom Brady doesn't, doesn't end up going there. Um, but yeah, it just, it feels like Derek Carr is going to move somewhere and it does make sense from a betting perspective. Like, I don't know that I have determined what my favorite option is, um, you know, and I don't like, there's just, it, it seems to me like Chicago sitting at the one spot, like, I don't know what Houston was doing and winning that game. Like that was basically, mm-hmm. you know, it's like what the Jets did, right? It's the same thing as with the what the Jets did in Adam Gase's final game, where we, you know, we miss out on Trevor Lawrence, you know, as a result of of that win. Kind of the well, same thing for Houston. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think we saw what Houston ownership or their front office felt about that. Levy Smith was fired the next day for going for two and trying to win a football game. Like, if you're going to bring that guy in for the tanking years, and then he he wants to win a game, like, you know. Where there's smoke, there's fire. Like the the most logical yeah. thing is that they were pretty pissed that 
I mean, let's go back to the Jets. Like, we had an incredibly brave defensive coordinator um, make make some very questionable play calls during a game last season, and he was fired for it. And so I think that that's pretty linear. I think it's pretty clear to yeah. see they they did not want to win that game, and they were not happy that Lovey went for two in that position at the end. Yeah. So, so you, you know, you, yeah. So I think, I think car makes the most sense. I certainly do think, you know, depending on, you know, I mean, it's, we'll, we'll get a strong sense of things by the senior bowl and by the combine. I know Travis doesn't, doesn't love the combine, but we'll get a strong sense of like where players are. And the combine is great because you get to, you get a sense of, you know, what, what teams think about a player by that point in time. Mm-hmm. And it's effectively the, you know, the start of the free agent, the unofficial start of the free agent period. I, I mean, I don't know, they've moved the schedule around a little bit these days, but, but effectively like, you know, people are back channeling and, you know, <laughs> tampering with each other. Uh, you know, people talking about trades, all that sort of thing is, is generally happening at the combine. So the Jets should have a pretty strong sense, you know, uh, Douglas said that they're, off-season plan and, you know, whatever in acquiring players is in its infancy uh, around the quarterback position, around all positions. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, one would think that by then they'll have a pretty good sense of what they can do in free agency or not, um, what they can trade for in free agency or not. Mm-hmm. And then also, um, you know, and I think Derek Carr, actually by then Derek Carr might already have been a decision that the Raiders organization had to make. So, right. um, so yeah, so, so we'll see, but um but yeah, I mean, I'm still not going to count them out of, you know, drafting a player. Like it really depends, but it's really hard. I'll go through the top 10 with you. And so like uh, just going to tankathon.com and kind of looking at, you know, what the draft order is. Chicago, number one, they don't need a quarterback. They have Justin Fields. Now, if the Jets wanted to trade for Justin Fields, I think I'm, I'm all here for it. If I'm giving yes. up three picks, uh, three first rounders to get a quarterback, go ahead and get Justin Fields there don't pay for Lamar Jackson, like right. kick that, kick that can down the road a little bit in terms of the dollars. Like I like Lamar Jackson, but like to trade for and pay in mm-hmm. the case of something like Chicago, you just trade for, you don't pay, you, you pay him as, you know, rookie contract. So, right. um, so anyway, so, so Chicago's at the top, then Houston, as we talked about Arizona, they don't need a quarterback. Indianapolis. Uh, I'm well, only, they only... do, but they just can't get one. They have so much <laughs> committed to their half quarterback right. right now. Kyler, right? Yeah, they're they're stuck with Kyler. I mean, they basically fired their head coach, and they said that Kyler will have input into the head coach. Like, okay, cool. <laughs> sure. um, then Indianapolis at four, um, they definitely need a quarterback. Denver goes. Their pick goes to Seattle. Seattle could use a quarterback, but you know, Gino had a pretty good year, so mm-hmm. who knows? Toss up. Um, Rams pick goes to Detroit. Um, Goff's played well, but right. I mean, they might be in a position to get their future. Maybe they let somebody sit for a year behind Goff. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Um, Vegas, as we, as we already previously talked about, you know, they're going to be in the mix for something, whether it's a free agent or, or a, uh, a draft pick, but you know, we'll know after free agency, Atlanta definitely needs a quarterback. Carolina definitely needs a quarterback. Philly at 10 does not need a quarterback that comes from New Orleans. Um, they got Jalen Hurts. Uh, 11, Tennessee, that's Malik Willis. Now, I believe the GM was just fired, right? They, the GM? They, I think they would cut. They might. And he, I don't think Willis is going to be on the roster next year. I think they're going to cut him wow. quickly. Wow. He is not, okay. That guy is not a good quarterback. 
Yeah, so maybe they'll try to trade him away for a fifth round pick or something like that. Um, but yeah, and that and I think that I think the Malik Willis pick is a reason why <laughs> part of the reason why the GM's no longer there. So yes. Tennessee could be in the mix. You know, who I mean, maybe they bring back Tannehill. It's it's a Der- it's the Derrick Henry show anyway, but mm-hmm. um but they could be in just depending on how things go. Houston gets the 12th pick from Cleveland for the Deshaun Watson trade. So again, the same team who was at two, you know, if they, if they don't draft a quarterback at two, they might, you know, if somebody falls to 13 or, you know, to 12, just, they might just, just as an aside, as we're listing all of these, these teams that got quarter, they got draft capital for trading away their quarterbacks. Did anybody win their quarterback trade? Like you got rid of your quarterback and like you acquired a Russell Wilson or I know Matt Stafford. I, I will talk about it as yeah. the, well, the Jared Goff trade, trade. You talk about it as the, the, the Deshaun Watson trade. Is any yeah. team happy with the quarterback they traded for other no. than the Rams? And they got exactly one title and salary cap hell out of it. Like that's man. If they're, yeah. If there's enough evidence really in the last two years for Joe Douglas to not go trade for a starting quarterback, it is all the evidence is around all these teams that just traded for the quarterbacks mm-hmm. and immediately regretted it. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that's exactly right. We talked a little bit about that last week was the mega deals, we right? Did. Like these, these QB trade mega deals, like have largely proven out to be total busts other than the Jared Goff trade. Um, Jared like, Goff, baby. Yeah. So. <laughs> So, I mean, that, that's the one that, that worked, but, you know, I mean, all for, for Jared Goff, but all these other ones so far, early returns are not good. And I mean, and it makes total sense, right? Like you, you put the way the current collective bargaining agreement is set up, it's to make it favorable for teams to have control right. of first round players for six years, Right. So if a quarterback typically coming out is 22, 23, that range, um, you know, the team gets control of that player. And I say six years because it's a four-year contract plus mm-hmm. a fifth-year option plus a franchise, right? Like, right. And that gets you to, okay, now we actually have to do a real deal here. Otherwise, mm-hmm. this person's going to sit out and, you know, or we're just, we're really tweaking our fan base at this point. Mm-hmm. And, it, and, and a franchise for a quarterback, I don't know what it's, I could go look it up what it's going to be this year, but, you know, franchise looks at the top players in at that position. So, you know, franchising is basically the same as long-term deals. Exactly. It's like, it's so expensive, but it's only a one-year commitment. That's the big, that's the big change there. So, um, um, or the big the big difference there between a long term and a and a short term thing. So uh, we can talk about Quentin Williams and that whole thing in a second um, because I think there's some yeah there's some you know brush fires you know starting starting up right now. But but in terms of quarterback, so you get someone like Russell Wilson who's 33, 34, or you get someone like who, Stafford who's you know well into his 30s, or you know Deshaun Watson who's still in his prime, but you know what 28 something like that. Um, but you know, you know, starting to get to a place or Lamar Jackson, who is starting to break down a little bit. So, so you're the team who's trading for this super duper quarterback. You're getting someone who's probably, you know, starting to have more wear and tear on their body, who you're paying a premium for and basically limiting your roster in future years around draft picks. And you have to give a, uh, substantial part of your, um, salary cap to that player mm-hmm. roughly let's say a third to a quarter 
on an annualized basis of like what you can spend. So mm-hmm. like the point, and we talk about this, right, Josh, is like how many outs are you giving yourself just like in poker, like, you know, right. on, a, on a, you know, whatever Texas Hold'em, like how many outs do I have on this, on this set of cards? Like you have very few outs when you, when you kind of do those sorts of maneuvers and yes. you're putting all these different streams of possibilities at risk. So, yeah. So I don't, I don't know. I'm just, I'm rambling at this point, but any, any thoughts about that or anything I said? And, and, you know, in the context of the jets, Joe Douglas likes outs. Like he, he wants yeah. wide open options. He doesn't want to go crazy on one to two guys. Um, I mean, the next few years are going to be super interesting to see how he handles that transition from young talent into, you know, franchise level, Quinn and Williams contract and AVT's contract and Sauce Gardner's contract and eventually Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson. Like you're going to have next few years are going to be super interesting to see how he handles those. So we haven't seen that. We haven't seen Joe Douglas with a ton of talent on the roster and then trying to retain that value. Um, we'll listen like every other team. We'll see some franchise tags here and there. Um, we'll see some guys get contracts. Um, he'll want to lock in, you know, um, to to some of those guys at, at really key positions, but um, he does not seem like a guy that is going to be over leveraged in almost any situation where he doesn't have to be. Um, mm-hmm. And so, even as I said, like I think it might be Derek Carr. I don't think he's going to be like all in. Give him seventy five million guaranteed. We need the, the nine year contract. Like he's going to go kind of market value, maybe a touch above that if he feels like Derek Carr is going to be that guy to push this roster forward. Um, but he's he's not going to go crazy. Like, I don't think he's going to go crazy yeah. after free agents. We've not seen that happen. Now, we've also not been in this position. And so we don't know how a a potentially contending roster with, with a Joe Douglas. This will be a really interesting offseason. It's going to be a new world for us as Jet fans to see. How does he, how does he take a roster and move it forward when you've got the chance to, to start to contend? Um, and be be in the playoffs the next couple, maybe three, four, five years with a lot of the, the young talent you have on the team. So it's going to be a new season of what what Joe Douglas looks like with a contender. Um, we've seen him build the foundation of a roster, and now we got to see what are the moves he makes to put it over the top, and then what it, what's the moves after that to retain it and keep that window open as long as possible. Yeah. Um, you, you talk about Derek Carr, and I, I, you talk about outs and, and all those sorts of things. And so that that, to me... Um, is the biggest reason why he seems like he would be the most likely to be traded for because, because if you, if you trade for him or you kind of play chicken with the Raiders, you know, with their kind of looming guarantees coming up, like as we talked about last week, um, if you do that, what ends up happening is if Derek Carr has a good agent, a good agent at all, you basically say, look, dude, you've got to take any trade that comes your way and you've got to eat it and enjoy the 30 million or, you know, whatever you're going to get in 2023. And then everything after that is, you know, the, the, the fancy icing on top of the icing that's on top of the cake. I mean, this guy has made, I don't know how many, you know, tens, uh, you know, whatever, tens of millions of dollars over the course of his career. But basically if he gets cut by the Raiders, no one's paying him $30 million a year. And basically, you know, he's basically, he gets through 2023. Jason Fitzgerald of over the cap talked about this back in November, I think on his 
uh, podcast where he just drinks beer and talks for two hours. Um, but he ba- basically <laughs> said, like, he basically said, like, you know, it, it, the, the, the bill will come due on this. You know, you come to 2024 and he's a $40 million cap savings, um, you know, for, for whatever team. So basically, like, he just needs to not rock the boat and mm-hmm. get through 2023 and not ask for or demand a new contract and he'll get 30 million for his troubles and then you know after that it's it's up to him like based on how he plays or whatever but like yeah if I'm Joe Douglas I I would be happy um, you know for the right price which we talked about last week you know third round whatever whatever it's going to take like I, I wouldn't give more than a I'll be I'll be displeased if it's more than a third rounder. I guess that's what I'll Great. say for for my own personal opinion. But um, but uh, but basically, he doesn't have to he doesn't have to do anything. This is not a Russell Wilson situation or a Deshaun Watson situation where it's like, okay, well, we just traded for this guy, and now we need to give him this massive new deal. No, you don't have to do that. Basically, you just have to say, shut up and enjoy your thirty million dollar payday this year. Play your hardest, and if you do well then maybe you'll get, you know, we'll, we'll figure out how to restructure or come up with a new contract for you for 2024. But like, you know, put up or shut up. That, that's mm-hmm. what, that's how I would treat the situation. Yes. Um, if I was the GM, not, not that you're trying to put him into a bad situation or, you know, make him pissed off, but you just, you know, th- there's, a, there's a nicer way to say it than I just did as you, you well know. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's exactly how I would say it to him. And that's probably why I'm not an NFL, an, an NFL <laughs> agent for you. I'm not Jerry Maguire. Uh, then you I'm, say, "Let me, I'm let, me let me, I'm I need, sure. because because of your profession, you'd say uh, I need to I need to pray about this contract." So, <laughs> uh, yes, in this profession, absolutely. Yeah. In that yeah. profession, but not I'd, in that profession. I'd be yeah. I'd be Bob Sugar <laughs> pulling the rug out from Jerry Maguire's feet. Sounds good. Hey, um, so Quinn Williams, Quinn Williams has you know made some. Uh, we got to talk about two things. Let's talk about Quinn Williams' contract. Then we need to talk about. Um, the Jets players and their um, uh, their outspokenness, uh, and then we need yeah. to kind of wrap up real quick with um, you know just some thoughts or kind of experiences or high points or low points from the end of the year. But, um, but let's talk about Quinton Williams and his contract. He's already stumping for a new contract, which mm-hmm. eh, you know I, I don't I don't begrudge him for, but at the same time, like he's on a what is it like a $9 million mm-hmm. year option? I believe this year, yeah, that's what he's got coming to him. So the question is, so, and that would obviously come ahead of his franchise year. So you're Joe Douglas. Do you go ahead? And, and Joe said during his press conference, we'll do the best thing. Something like we'll do the best thing for the team. And so, so that's a very non-answer answer. Like the best thing for the team is to get this guy locked up for the next 10 years. Like that, that I believe mm-hmm. that. Um, but is that what Joe Douglas believes or does he believe the best thing for the team is to give ourselves cap space this coming off season so we can make some other moves so that we can add to the team. Um, and, you know, I'm not about to, um, what, what's, what's it, in case law like precedents like mm-hmm. I don't want to set a precedence with an organization like we're with a player where we're bucking the fifth year option right like right you know maybe it's maybe it's shooting yourself in the foot or maybe he's going to be disappointed or mad or frustrated but like what do you do if you're Joe Douglas do you pay this guy now and and kind of ruin your cap for this year or do you basically say 
I'm sorry, man, you gotta, you gotta wait in line. And it's going to be till next year. Like, what do you do? Yeah. It, I mean, it's what it's going to real realistically obviously come down to is that relationship. Does Quentin Williams feel like Joe Douglas is going to take care of him? Now the NFL to Quentin Williams point is one play away from, I have, I have given up my best earning years and life altering family tree altering money. Um, and so mm-hmm. I don't begrudge him one bit either. Um, I, 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 I'd be shocked if Joe Douglas said, you know what? Let's, let's go ahead and have you jump from the 9 million, um, number you're at now to, you know, the, right now the franchise tag value at defensive tackle would be 17 and a half million. Um, I'm not sure that he wants to make that big of a jump now. Um, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be upset if, if they, if they come back to Quinn and then say, we want to give you a five year deal and we're going to talk about closing in on a hundred million dollars for that. Um, I, I would not be super disappointed. I feel like Quinn and Williams, um, has proven to be that level of player. Um, he's proven to be, you know, a guy that's, that's really well liked by the fans. He's not getting in trouble. Um, seems, seems like a foundational piece and, and they, they think the world of him. And so it would, it would not surprise me if, if Joe Douglas said, you know what, let's just go ahead and wrap this up now. I don't want to have to be li- this looming over me next year as well. Um, and I can lock this up and, um, add some value. Um, to our roster for the next few years with one swift move of the pen. So um, would not, would not be shocked. And at the same time, um, I could see it going either way. I could see Joe Douglas just pulling the line and saying, we'll, we'll take care of this when we have to, and maybe even franchise him for one year before offering him a big deal. Um, but I could also see him saying, let's just, let's just wrap this up now. Yeah. He's, he's 25 years old, you know, I don't know kind of how, what his birth date is. I don't have that up in front of me, but um, so yeah, he's young enough. Um, and maybe you find a way to backload a contract. If you're going to do it this year, like I think you try and do it in a way that doesn't destroy your 2023 cap. Uh, and basically he has, if, if you're even going to enter those negotiations, like he has to understand that, like, look, dude, we cannot go above our cap figures for this year. So right. like, basically if you want to, if you want to negotiate and you want a new contract, that's fine. But that's the starting point. Like, we're not going to blow up our cap this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone has just joined us. Travis, welcome. Where, I'm where here. Have you been? Where have you been? I've been in court. <laughs> what? Oh, no. What for? Just, 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 just traffic crap. Uh, I, uh, I have, I'm notoriously terrible at, uh, uh, renewing my registration and, yeah. uh, and, and, I never want to pay the full amount. And they're always like, yeah, if you get it renewed, just come to court and we'll dismiss it. So I always do that. And today was a rather heavy day and a rather depressing one sitting around <laughs> everything that was going on in there. But, uh, but yeah, I'm out. Yeah. I'm sitting in the court parking lot. Um, enjoying well, well, we're glad you're, we're glad you're free. We're glad you, you weren't, uh, you weren't, um, you know, taken, taken in that doorway in the back that no one wants to go to. So, nope. so gl- glad, glad you're, glad you're on this side. How was your, um, how was your team holiday dinner last night? Didn't you do a big shindig last night? Oh yeah, it was awesome. We did an eighties and nineties party. I dressed, uh, I went full crisscross. Yes. I had backwards pants. Uh, yes. Yep. I had a backwards Mike Piazza, uh, Dodgers Jersey, um, <laughs> TLC hoodie on underneath. Um, yeah, I love it. I did Marky Mark karaoke, uh, as well as Cowboy Take Me Away by the Dixie Chicks. Oh my God. <laughs> now, when you what finished your Marky Mark song, did you say, say hi to your mother for me at the end? I did. <laughs> and I also, yes. I actually did. I said, Sat out of I said, breath the whole time. Yo, you, so you're a cook. What's that like? 
Say hi to your mother for me. <laughs> and I also did. I also did a display of push-ups in the on the dance floor because, yes. if I remember right, in the video he was doing push-ups, video. but also he was. Yeah, good vibrations. He's doing some. He's doing yeah. some push-ups. Heck yeah! Yeah, Heck he yeah. was in a parking lot lifting like weights, but it's actually like the cinder blocks on like a bar. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's but, right. It, it's got the amazing line that I. This is the reason I always do this. I love to sing this line. Mm-hmm vibrations good like sun kissed made you want to know who done this yeah because <laughs> because if you're a child of the 80s you remember the sun kissed commercials using yes these. oh yeah yeah oh yeah hell yeah i love it that sounds like a party i was more concerned that you were in court because of your team dinner last yes. night that was oh no 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 <laughs> Luckily, I live virtually in the parking lot of the restaurant. Or so it's now we know you were dressed as Marky Mark. We are also glad it wasn't behavior known to Marky yeah. Mark. <laughs> oh, 100%. Yeah. I did not beat up a guy in the bathroom of a, uh, a sporting event. <laughs> so how do you mother yeah. for me? That's probably what he said at the end. <laughs> as, you, as you push his head under the water of the toilet. Yeah. Um, okay. So we were talking about Quinn Williams. Um Couple more things. Uh, this is perfect timing for you, Travis. Because uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about, and then we'll we're, we're kind of getting close to to the end here. But um, uh, we were having this conversation in uh, in our text thread the other day. Um, Jets players are very um, free with their emotions and thoughts. I think as we've demonstrated as the season closed and, um, you know, players have gotten to Twitter and, you know, their statements are being made about, you know, the team and decisions and coaching and that sort of thing. So, um, I mean, I certainly have my opinions, but I'm curious what you think about this. You're a very um, modern individual and understand that the times are changing. So like, I'm, I'm just curious, like, what do you think about, you know, some of the things Garrett Wilson said to kind of close out the season um, you know, as, you know, as we go into 2023 and as there's a lot up in the air and we kind of, you know, already talked about the Sala and MLS stuff and whatever, but, um, but yeah, I don't know. Any, any thoughts about how free the, the players are with their, with their Absolutely. I, uh, I encourage it. Um, one of the, one of the maxims I've always had that's very applicable in football is uh, always hire people that are better than you and and in football obviously anyone that's on the field is at the very least in better physical shape than you are as a coach um and you've got to welcome those critiques because those are the those are the people that are actually out there playing the game yes you are your your job is to put them in a position to be better and they're always going to have critiques they're always going to have thoughts and you know, when when you go on a six-game losing streak to end the season and, you know, there is, even from a fan's perspective and understanding of the game, a predictability to what you're doing, um, you know, you as a coach need to be prepared and understanding of accepting that accountability of these critiques from your players. And I've always welcomed that from my staff members because if you truly want to be better at what you do, the only way you're going to do that is by pushing and by taking critiques, taking constructive criticism, especially from those around you. Because if it's your job to put those people in good positions and to coach them and to make them better, you have to meet them halfway and let them make you better as well. 
And so I welcome these, these kind of things. And I think it's, I think it's healthy for the organization. Uh, now is Mike LaFleur going to take it that way? Who the fuck knows? But I, as a manager have always taken that, that stance of, I, I am here for them. Therefore I have to understand and hear their critiques, their needs, their qualms. Um, and, and if I take that as, as an attack, I'm not helping either of us. Mm-hmm. But if, if one of your chefs goes into the dining room and says, Travis doesn't even know how to do the Maillard method, right. You know, like how, how does that go? How does that go? That's, you know, that's still fine. I mean, like I've, right. I've, I've had people do that bef- before, not in a dining room setting, but you know, to <laughs> other people of, of, you know, it's, it's a level of, you know, there's a lot of emotions and high stress, high pressure things and cooking is high stress or high press, uh, yeah. uh, pressure, uh, you yeah. know, football, obviously. Um, so you've, you've got to take those with a grain of salt. You've got to understand that people are people, people are human beings. They're going to have yeah. emotions. They're going to swing especially when you know one one mirror that i've always had between what i do and football is i'm dealing with 24 year olds all day <laughs> long you know they're 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 just barely an adult like these right. you know you you they're have front, to understand they're, they're, and take a step back and go how was i in this in uh, how would 24 year old me have reacted in this mm-hmm. and yeah, right. and 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 that's the biggest thing, and you know, and I think that's why players gravitate towards younger coaches typically. But, mm. um, you know, it's it's you've got to be you've got to be the adult in the room, and being the adult in the room requires, in my opinion, hearing what's on the minds of the people around you because that's what you're yeah. you're there for them. They're not there for you, even if they didn't do it, quote unquote, the right way necessary yeah, yeah that's even yeah. more on you because it's your yeah. job to get them to do it the right way and yeah. you know my I, I went to school a lot of people don't know this i went to school to become a teacher i taught english for a couple of years i i had what's called ieps you go into a classroom setting and you've got different people that learn different ways you've got different people that study different ways you've got different people that you know have have different needs and understanding things and it's your job to figure out how to teach not just the class, not just the team, but the individuals and to work with their assistant coaches on how to one-on-one with them. Um, that's, that's the thing that I think a lot of people miss with the offensive coordinator or coordinator positions. You've got five coaches underneath you that have to be on the same page and have to be mm-hmm. understanding and have to be doing these one-on-one things. It's not like Mike LaFleur standing there with Garrett Wilson talking to him about running routes yeah. every fucking day. Um, so, no, it's, it's just understanding that you are a coordinator. You're coordinating. You're coordinating learning. You're coordinating you know, how they're being taught, you're coordinating how they act on the field. Like you, you have to take that and, and realize you are the fucking adult in the room and Mm -hmm. you, you've got to take those lumps and you've got to understand that there's a reason why that player's that way and figure out a way to get through to them. Yeah. Historically NFL has not been that way, but I I do think it is moving more in the direction you, you outline. I I I was kind of joking. I I was like, these emo crybabies here talking about the team and whatever. Well, uh, historically my, my business hasn't been that way. You've got, you know, a a chef screaming at you. And if you're not fucking doing it right, you're out the fucking door. And, you know, I, I worked for one of those chefs long ago when I was in New York and 
Um, I, I refrain from saying this person's name because I don't want to call down the thunder again. Yeah, um, no, no, I, I learned that I didn't want to be that. I learned that I could get more out of people by being understanding and working one-on-one and understanding how they learn and why they learn the way they learn, as opposed to just giving up and saying, well, fuck you, 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 you fucked up these carrots, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. My way to the highway. Josh, yeah. any, any thoughts to add to that in terms of kind of, you know, the, the outspoken nature? Um, yeah. I have a thought or two, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I, first of all, I understand the Maillard method. Um, I just want that <laughs> good, good. Felt like a shot at, at the, uh, the barber, the, the amateur barbecue um, in the room. But, um, no, I, I, I loved it. I thought, I thought about even those comments from Garrett Wilson as, listen, time, time is short. And so guys on, on that side of, of the field, on the field, actually, running plays like they've they've got a clock that's ticking and they want to earn as much as they can they want to win as much as they can because time is short and so even for a 22 year old rookie wide receiver he's got if he's if he's incredible he's got 10 years like to to really maximize um his physical his physical ability to to play football um and to earn as much as he can and so going from 7 and 4 to 7 and 10 is just going to start to feel like Man, if we don't get this figured out quickly, like we're all going to be in other places, and none of us are going to earn. We've really got something special here. Uh, and if if we're if we're tipping plays or we're not really putting in our full effort um, in every area of, of this team, like we're never going to achieve what we want to achieve. It was it was it, it's a kid from Ohio State. Like he's, he's coming from a Ryan Day program that wants to win and understands how every single game matters, especially at the college level. And so I heard a lot of Ohio State wide receiver in Garrett Wilson's comments. I didn't hear mm-hmm. petulance. I didn't hear immaturity. I heard I heard leadership and I heard a real like a real sense of I don't think he was disrespectful. I don't think that he was, you know, I are there other guys in that wide receiver room that have, have gone public this year and dealt with it poorly? I do. I don't think that was Garrett Wilson. I don't think that was this time. I don't think that that was inappropriate. Um, and it sounds like hopefully he had already had that conversation. Uh, with either wide yeah. receivers coach or with the offensive coordinator and, and they sat down and have these conversations and maybe their their end of year kind of exit interview and let's talk about what went well what do we need to improve on what are we working on this offseason um, and he felt like listen I think I think toward the end I'm hearing corners know what play we're running are we running the ball to the left or the right is this going to be a is this passing play is there a bubble screen coming like if he's hearing that stuff on the outside I don't think it's inappropriate for him to tell the media Listen, we need to tighten up and this needs to be an off season where we go in and really work on our craft and really work on becoming the best possible team we can from coaches and players. Um, if we want to really go where we think this team can go. And so I heard expectation and I heard leadership. I didn't hear petulance. So I loved yeah. it. Um, and it's a new era, right? Like 10 years ago, 15 years ago, guys are cut for making comments like this publicly, but yeah. we're in a completely different season in sports. Uh, where, where guys have agency to make to make comments like this. Um, mm-hmm. And sometimes it goes really, really well, and I hope this one does. We've seen it obviously go wrong, but I don't get the sense here that this was something that pissed off the coaches or, or pissed off his teammates. I think it really just lit a fire going into the offseason. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you can also just look to, you know, the DeMar Hamlin situation. Like, we're in an era where yeah. that guy gets carted off the field and the game resumes, right? Like, you know, five years ago, like, that would have been the case. Two years like, ago. 
yeah, two years ago, yeah. right? Yeah. Not the case anymore, right? So I, th- I think you're right. Things are changing. And you have to address that. You have to address it with the times. Um, and at the same time, I, I mean, I think also, like, I've heard people use this as, like, evidence for how Salah doesn't have control of the team, doesn't have control of the locker room, whatever. And, and my my rebuttal has just been, like, look, like, this this pack needs a needs an alpha, like that, I mean, I, I think Garrett Wilson is an alpha, but I'm saying like the alpha, right? Like the the leader of the pack. And so if there's a quarterback who's in that, you know, who's in that locker room who says, like, look, he that would be the person who basically says, look, this is how we're gonna go and talk in public, right? Or or not talk in public or you know, whatever. And so like, I'm not saying that that comment is bad or he shouldn't have said it. Like, I think, I think all the things you said, both of you said are valid at the same time, if there's a quarterback, you know, he would basically, you know, who was the leader of the team, the true leader of the team, then he would probably say like, we're going to keep this in house, right? Like go do your platitudes to the media. Um, But, but that's not the case, right? I mean, (laughs) Zach Wilson has not proven, you know, uh, to be the leader of that group. And, you know, I mean, as we've talked about Joe Flacco's, you know, hammering checks on the way out the door. So like, you know, they're just, I don't blame him for what he did. I think what he did is just an evidence of the situation the team is in. Um, all right. We've talked about a lot of stuff. Um, we, before we go, before we go, we got to talk about some of the highlights and or lowlights of the season. So highlights. Um, oh, see. Yeah, so let's talk about the highlights. Let's leave the lowlights out. We don't have to do that. Green Bay. So, so Josh, do you have, yeah, do you have highlights, you know, which I'm, I'm guessing I know what they are, but yeah, go ahead. Go ahead and t- give us your highlights. Yeah, it's, it's the Bills win. Um, mm-hmm. If you, if I brought, if our brothers have one single thing that I think we're leaving this season with, I think we have one of the top two corners in the entire NFL. Um, what Sauce yes. Gardner has done in this, in this, in this rookie season is not just all pro level, but he, he might end up even garnering a defensive player of the year or two vote. Um, it's, it's remarkable. And so my single, single highlight um, is that we have a guy, hopefully now for the next 10, 10 years, that's going to be a shutdown level Darrell Revis 2.0 um, level corner. Um, you know, I, that is my single, single, single highlight um, is, is soft Gardner um, extrapolate that a little bit further out. And it's just this super talented young roster that we've not had in a very long time, boys. I am very excited um, about the direction of where this roster is headed um, and the opportunities before us. But um, lots to be hopeful for, um, even after, you know, six weeks of of misery and pain, um, losing games that felt ridiculous to lose. Nice. Travis, highlight, highlights? Brace fucking Hall, man. I mean, that guy's going to be amazing. And I, I really hope that everybody is, is understanding that he's not going to come back a hundred percent, you know, come September, it's going to take him a little bit, but, but that guy is, is the future of this friend. That was, if we, we, we would have, we had a top 10 offense when he was in there, even without competent quarterback play. Um, and again, everyone knows I attribute a lot of that to ABT. They, we lost them both the same freaking game. Um, but I think seeing that potential that Brees Hall showed us, I, I think, uh, you know, Joe Douglas has always said he's going to fix the offensive line. But I think after seeing the difference of not having ABT in there, I think, uh, 
the the starting group is going to be addressed, but even more so, I think I think we're going to have better depth and uh, and and to what Josh was saying, this young core. I think we finally have a team that's attractive to free agents, attractive to you know younger draft picks. Not that they have choice theoretically, but um, you know it's 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 always been a hard thing of signing signing people in the Jets over the past you know ten or so years. Uh, and, and I think it's, it's, it's a place that's attractive to, to players, to, to, you know, good free agents. And, you know, that's something that we haven't had in a long time. And it's because of, of what Joe Douglas has done through that draft. And yes, I, I agree. He's had some big ass whiffs, uh, but he's had some big freaking homers on that. So I, I, th- I think that's my highlight of the season. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, I'm with you guys on both of those things. I think for me, um, and I think I think you'll agree with this. Like for me, the highlight was, and this is just kind of what what being a, a fan, not getting ahead of myself, like going to flying to Milwaukee, catching Travis in the Chicago airport, you know, flying on the same plane up to Milwaukee from Chicago for four minutes or whatever yeah. it was, <laughs> hanging out in the bar. You know, Josh was a couple hours behind us or whatever, you know, meeting us in the in the airport bar, you know, getting in the car, driving around Milwaukee, trying to go to the uh, the Miller Miller factory, Miller Highlight. Yeah, Yeah, Miller Highlight, which was closed to like tourists or whatever, which was a bummer. But like, you know, spending a whole day with you guys in in downtown Milwaukee, right near Fiserv and, you know, enjoying Curd a fest. cheese, right. Curd fest uh, with polka <laughs> music playing. And then, you know, going out to dinner, amazing ramen at, at one of, you know, Travis's buddy's spots. And then, you know, the next day driving up to green Bay, watching the game, shotgunning a beer, you know, like five, and then, you know, a fireball or whatever it was, whatever <laughs> Travis got me before we went in the stadium. Dealing with some, yeah. <laughs> ru- oh, thank you, Rumbles. And some very handsy ladies in the, uh, in the yeah. stadium that were sitting near us and would not, <laughs> would not leave us alone. And then, you know, after that, you know, we're having a great time, you know, Travis yelling, like, like leading Jets chants in the upper deck and being like, I just let a Jets chant. Oh my God. Right. Like we're leaving the stadium, you know, where everybody's having a good time. You know, Josh is leading more Jets chants, get back in the car, record a podcast, head back to, uh, you know, Milwaukee, have an amazing pizza or pizzas at, you know, Zafiro's pizza restaurant. You know, like, I'm just like that to me, like that's my highlight of the season. Yes. Brees Hall and yes, sauce and yes, the bills game and and yes, all those things. But like, I just, as a reminder to myself and to, to the listeners, like being, being in green Bay and for people walking up to us and like those two dudes who walked up to us and were like, are you guys like the, there's always extra guys. Like that was awesome. awesome. Right. Like, and so like, so just as a reminder, this season sucked the way it ended and we had such <laughs> yeah. high expectations and winning against green bay and winning against the broncos and winning against the bills and all these things and you're like oh my gosh it's happening it's really happening isn't it um and then it doesn't happen um but like it's about the people it's about the relationships it's about the time spent so yes football's fucking fun yes it is yes, fun. Be fun. don't don't be yes. a freaking debbie downer all the yeah. time yet but yes yes shotgunning a beer because travis made me do it like you know both of those <laughs> things both of those things can be true and so just yes. just as be, as we enter this kind of dry period you know now like just you know being mindful of that that kind of like you know fires me up for for next year and you know us going to vegas or what, whatever comes next i'm very, very 
excited. Vegas, baby. <laughs> We're awesome. the three right. best friends that anybody could have. <laughs> Wolfpack. Wolfpack. That was a one-man Wolfpack. <laughs> now. No, we're a three-man pack. All right, awesome. Guys, thank you so much. I really appreciate you doing this podcast with me. We'll be back in a couple of weeks, I'm sure, as news tumbles out and uh, as, you know, things develop. Um, so so be sure to keep, uh, you know, keep an eye out for us. We'll keep an eye out for you, the fans. Find us on Twitter in the meantime. Make sure to rate and review the podcast. Um, thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks for an awesome season, despite the way it ended. Um, and we can't wait to get into the offseason. And as we always say, there's always next there's year. There's next year.